You are Locked On Titans, your daily Tennessee Titans podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Locked On Titans podcast. I am your host, Tyler Rowland. Titans fans, this rewatch Wednesday edition of the Locked On Titans podcast is brought to you by 1010. 1010 is an exclusive collection of 10 one-of-a-kind engagement rings designed by 10 of the most distinctive designers working today. Using only diamonds responsibly and sustainably sourced from Botswana, 10 design masters have each produced a uniquely beautiful diamond ring, launching exclusively on January 18th at BlueNile.com. This exciting, limited edition collection of diamond engagement rings launches on January 18th, and you can preview it exclusively at BlueNile.com. It is Rewatch Wednesday here on the Locked on Titans podcast, and that means each week we dive into my notebook and step back into the film room so I can bring you any additional or extra analysis I picked up from rewatching the coach's tape multiple times. So we are going to do that today. But to start off our show, I'm going to put a little bit of a twist on things, and I want to tell you what the Titans' best route to a Super Bowl opportunity is on the defensive side of the ball. Of course, the Titans offense is shredding teams left and right. That's what we come to expect from this Arthur Smith, Ryan Tannehill, Derek Henry led attack, but the defensive side of the ball is the biggest place of concern, and I'm not breaking any news to you by saying that, but let's talk about, based on what I've seen on tape, what the Titans can do on defense to get back to that Super Bowl caliber team that we hoped they could be. So I'm going to go through that with you guys to begin the show, but then we will begin our Rewatch Wednesday segments. We are going to start on the defensive side of the ball, as that is the primary theme of the day. I'll tell you exactly what I saw from the Titans defense and why some transactions that took place on Tuesday could see more of what we saw on Sunday. So excited to dive into that and we will cap off today's show looking at what the Titans did offensively to put up so many points against the Jaguars in the first half on Sunday. So a rewatch Wednesday here on the Locked On Titans podcast. Let's get it. If you had to choose the biggest disappointment for the Tennessee Titans so far, the answer is unquestionably the defensive side of the ball. While in previous years, the Titans defense was never a top unit in the NFL, they certainly weren't one of the worst units in the NFL, and that's what the Titans have got from their defense this year, one of the worst defenses in the NFL. The Titans are a middle-of-the-road run defense, but where they really fall apart is in the passing game. The Titans are a bottom four passing defense at this moment in time in the NFL, and if you wanted to assess blame or look for reasons why that is, the number one culprit is undoubtedly the Titans' pass rush. The Titans are historically bad when it comes to stopping teams on third down, and a lot of that has to do with being unable to get pressure on the quarterback, and the numbers bear that out as well. The Titans have 14 sacks on the year. That is the fewest 
in the NFL. And to add further context about their historical ineptitude in the pass rush, a great tweet here from at FWordsPod on Twitter. Through the last 20 seasons, 2000 to 2020, there have been 670 teams and the Titans are currently tied for the third fewest sacks in a single season. So the Titans are not only terrible at getting to the quarterback this year in regards to the other teams in the league, but historically over the last two decades, the Titans are one of the worst pass rush groups, and the other stats available bear that out as well. 39 hurries on the season, that is the fifth least in the NFL. 6.9% of dropbacks, the Titans get a hurry, that is second worst in the NFL. Only 93 pressures on the quarterback this year, that's fourth worst in the NFL. 16.5% of the time the Titans get pressure. That is the worst rate in the NFL. The Titans have the third least amount of quarterback hits at 55. They're currently the 26th ranked defense DVOA per football outsiders. They have the fourth worst pass rush grade per pro football focus at a 62.8. To provide some context here, the Steelers are first at 85.8 and middle of the road in the league is about 71. So whichever way you want to look at it, analytics, eye test, or box scores, the Titans pass rush is terrible. So that leads us to the next question. How possibly with such a terrible pass rush could the Tennessee Titans find a way to win the Super Bowl? Well, the answer to that question is the other part of the equation. You have pass rush and then you have coverage. And over the last month, the Titans have shown that they have the ability to be a very good coverage team in the secondary. And that's quite the 180 from what we saw with the Titans earlier in the season with Jonathan Joseph and Chris Jackson, but add in Breon Borders, even Ty Smith in his performance against the Jags. Add in Desmond King, of course, the big trade in the middle of the season that helped the Titans turn things around at least a little bit on the defensive side of the ball. I know the Titans struggled with the Browns and some of the some of the big plays that they created, but the reality is over the past month, the Titans have been very, very solid in pass coverage, and a lot of that has to do with the new person which leads us to the next big piece of news for the Titans on Tuesday. Rookie cornerback Christian Fulton was finally activated to the Titans 53-man roster. Of course, he has not played since October the 25th, but he will be activated to the roster. Hopefully, he'll be able to play. And of course, Titans starting cornerback Adoree Jackson, who has yet to play this season, did have a full week of limited practice last week, and the expectation is that he will be able to join the active roster and play eventually before the end of the season. So you look at the strides the Titans have made in coverage. Right now, they're currently the 7th highest rated team in coverage grade per pro football focus at a 70.3. So the Titans have been pretty solid in coverage as of late, and if they add in Christian Fulton, they add in a Dory Jackson, it's possible that if the Titans lean on that coverage unit and play great man coverage and great zone coverage in the back end, that they'll be able to withstand the ineptitude of the pass rush. It'll allow them to send more blitzing. It'll allow them to be more exotic with their pressures, and that may counteract the terrible standard pass rush group that the Tennessee Titans do deploy at this moment in time.
And speaking of the pass rush group, it took another hit on Tuesday when Titans outside linebacker Tazar Skipper was placed on the practice squad injured reserve list. He injured his elbow during the game against the Jags. So right now, the Titans have four healthy outside linebackers, Harold Landry, Derek Roberson, Brooks Reed, and Wyatt Ray, both on the practice squad. One of those guys is going to get elevated to the active rosters. I, I don't see how there's any way the Titans can avoid that at this moment in time. So the pass rush, even though Skipper was more of a run defender than a pass rusher, the pass rush still is going to be affected by the amount of snaps the other guys are going to have to play. Now Roberson can't focus so much on pass rush. He's got to play more snaps as a run defender. So everything has a domino effect here. Also, Kenny Vaccaro, per comments from head coach Mike Rabel, Kenny Vaccaro should be back after he missed last week's game with an illness. So that's a big news. And then, of course, over the weekend, the Titans put Breon Borders on IR with that hip injury, so he'll be out a minimum of three games. But as I mentioned, Dory could be back soon. Christian Fulton was activated on Tuesday, so some help could be on the way for the Tennessee Titans, who will be tested in the coming weeks. Who knows if Matt Stafford will play in the game. He had an injury in Sunday's game. It's up in the air, his status right now. But then the Titans play the Green Bay Packers with Aaron Rodgers, the Houston Texans with Deshaun Watson. That pass coverage unit will be tested in the coming weeks, and it'll be a good test for the Titans as they ramp up for a a matchup against the Kansas City Chiefs. I mean, if the Titans want to get to a Super Bowl, they'll have to go through the Chiefs, so they might as well get used to playing against awesome quarterbacks and great passing attacks and finding a way to lean on their coverage, what they've shown on tape that they have the ability to do even when the pass rush isn't there to match. And we are going to talk about that in the Rewatch Wednesday segments coming up. We are going to start with the Tennessee Titans defense. So excited to jump into that. Remember, we are going to begin our preparation for the Detroit Lions tomorrow with a crossover Thursday conversation with the host of Locked On Lions. Also, Friday is a Football Friday game preview. My keys to the game, players to watch, fantasy, gambling, injuries, game and score prediction. Everything you need from a game preview, I'm going to have it for you on Friday. So make sure that you subscribe to the Locked On Titans podcast on whatever platform you do stream. But let's open up the notebook and dive into Rewatch Wednesday. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar in the galaxy. The first time we ran a promo code with Built Bar, you guys sold out their inventory, and that was with just their 12 original flavors. Now Built Bar is back better than ever and even more deliciouser. They have six new flavors, caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp. Of course, the bars are still covered in 100% real chocolate. They're soft and easy to use, and it's not just the incredible taste. The bars are healthy for you as well. They're low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber, and best of all, even if you took advantage of the promo code before, you can use it again for this relaunched promotion. And this time, when you take advantage of the promo code locked on at BuiltBar.com, you get a free cooler with your purchase while supplies last. So once again, go to BuiltBar.com, use promo code locked on, and you'll get 20% off your next order. Use promo code locked on for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. It is 
Rewatch Wednesday here on the Locked on Titans podcast. So I'm going to open up my notebook, step back into the film room with you guys, and just give you all of my additional analysis, my extra insights, any additional notes that I had from my rewatches of the Titans coaching tape of the All-22. The eye in the sky does not lie. So I'm excited to get into all of those additional notes with you guys. Before I do, I want to remind you, as I mentioned earlier in the show, tomorrow is Crossover Thursday, and we are going to talk with the host of Locked on Lions to begin our preparation for that matchup, and the Titans have the Colts nipping at their heels in the AFC South, so the Titans can't rest for a moment. They have to take every single game as if it were a playoff game, including this matchup against the Lions, whether they have Matt Stafford or not, so it'll be important for the Titans to do that. And it'll be important for you guys to you know hear that conversation and get information directly from someone who's been covering the Lions all year. So excited to give you guys that conversation. Make sure you subscribe to the Locked on Titans podcast on whatever platform you do stream so you don't miss that or any of the Monday through Friday content that I will be pumping out for you guys throughout the season, the all season, heck, all year round. So Make sure that you're locked in to the Locked on Titans podcast. But let's move forward into Rewatch Wednesday. And defense has been the theme of the day. In the previous segment, I kind of outlined for you guys the issues the Titans are having in pass rush and why based on some of the availability of certain players along with what we've seen from the Titans in recent weeks leads me to believe that this can be a coverage-based team and the coverage can improve to the point that it can actually help the pass rush out. So what was killing the Titans early on in the season is they weren't good in the back end and coverage and they weren't good in the pass rush. You can't be terrible at both of those simultaneously or you're going to get the type of defensive effort that we've gotten from the Titans for most of the season. But after that Desmond King trade, after the roster shakeup, the roster massacre in the middle of the season, John Robinson took out the knife and performed surgery on the roster, added in Tyre Tart, added in Breon Borders, got rid of Vic Beasley who Everybody talked about how great he was. He was terrible last week for the Raiders. Um, Yeah, add in a guy like Desmond King. That's the big transaction there. So with those additions, the Titans started playing better in coverage. Now, the pass rush still pretty terrible. But when you play better in coverage, it gives you the ability to trust your guys in the back end to do a little bit more exotic stuff up front with your blitz packages. So the Titans have a tough time generating pressure in the pass rush, so the way to help that is to blitz more, send more people, but you can only do that if you trust your coverage. So the Titans are getting to a place now where they feel a little bit more comfortable doing that with Desmond King back there, Ty Smith, Breon Borders, either one of those guys are better than Chris Jackson or Jonathan Joseph, but but when you talk about adding in a Dory, you talk about adding in Fulton, maybe there's the opportunity that the Titans can improve enough in coverage that they can really start to blitz and go all out and get a little bit more exotic, which will help the pass rush. So let's talk about what the Titans did against the Jags that led me to believe that. We've seen the Titans play cover two this year, and I've kind of railed against it. In this game against the Jags, I wanted to see them play more cover three, wanted to see them play more cover four, because the Jags like to take deep shots down the field early in the game. 
game, which takes advantage of the skill set of their wide receivers, DJ Chark, Keelan Colt. They're good vertical receivers. They have great speed. The Titans countered that. They did exactly what I wanted them to do. They played a ton of cover four with a matchup over the middle. They played a ton of cover three, um, and that really helped them guard against those deep boundary passes that the Jags like to do to kind of open things up on offense. So I was really impressed by that, but more than just the Titans schematically making a, a good game plan to go against what the Jags do on offense, it was nice to see the Titans execute cover four, execute cover three. It's not something that they like to do a ton, see the Titans in a lot more uh, two safety, not two safeties all the time, but just two deep guys. They prefer a cover two. Um, So it's nice to see them run with enough cover three in this game that it kind of proves to me that they can do it on a consistent basis. I was worried about Malcolm Butler running vertically in a cover three, but he did a very good job against DJ Chark in this game. Had a really, really important, it was on second down, so I didn't include it in my tic-tac four-pack, but late in the game when the Jags were driving, I believe there was about 12 to 13, maybe 14 minutes left in the fourth quarter. The Jags took a deep shot from about 30 yards out to the left-hand side to DJ Chark and Malcolm Butler had it completely locked down. So if Malcolm Butler can play great and cover three going backwards and he can improve there, Adoree Jackson is much better at that than anybody the Titans have had at cornerback all season, especially on the boundary. So you get a guy like that. Fulton has increased you know, quick twitch muscles, agility, speed. He's going to be better at going backwards. Mike Vrabel talked in the offseason about the slot position being a vertical position now and how he talked about Adoree Jackson's ability to match vertically. Christian Fulton had the ability to match vertically. Well, that is more often on the boundary than anything, so that that ability to go backwards is not going to change now because we're talking about the boundary as opposed to the slot now that the Titans have Desmond King. So, nice to see the Titans do that. When it was nut-cutting time, though, Third and short, third and intermediate. The Titans went to cover one man. And they and Ty Smith was really good in man coverage. We saw Malcolm Butler get targeted a lot because Ty Smith was just completely wiping LaVishka Chennault off the face of the planet. So great job by Ty Smith there. I mentioned it before, but targeted five times, two catches, eight yards. A great day from Ty Smith. Hopefully he's feeling better, got a little banged up late in the game. So appreciated that. Uh, what I really want to talk about, the cornerbacks won a ton in one-on-one situations. They were great in man in third and short, third and intermediate. They played a lot of cover three, cover four and first and 10, second and 10 early down situations. But what I really want to talk about, oh, and this final note here, the Titans blitzed a lot more later in the game, but that's obvious. They were up by law. The Jags had to pass to come back. So I'm not giving the Titans any credit for that. That's the logical move to make schematically once you get up that big of a lead. But the real thing that I wanted to talk about that impresses me the most is the Titans versatility on defense. So Tazar Skipper goes on IR. But Jack Crawford and Tazar Skipper have both been doing a great job of playing like a a 4-3 defensive end that has a little bit of defensive tackle capabilities. Uh, It's a tweener between a 3-4 defensive end, a 5-tech, and then a 4-3 defensive end who's going to play a little bit wider in the the 8. So when you... When you look at what the Titans can do on defense, it's because of the versatility. You have Jack Crawford. He can be a defensive tackle. He can be a 4-3, four-front defensive end. You have Harold Landry, who can be a four-man front defensive end, a five-man front outside linebacker, a stand-up outside linebacker off the ball. He can blitz through the middle as a middle linebacker. He can drop in coverage. You have guys like Rashawn Evans that can rush the passer as an actual pass rusher, not just a blitzer, but also drop back in coverage, had his best day in coverage per pro football focus in this game against the Jacks. 
David Long played every single de- defensive snap for the Titans because he can blitz. He's quick enough to play coverage, although I didn't think he had a great game. He's also physical enough. He's more physical than Jayon Brown in the run game. You have versatile safeties like Kenny Vaccaro, Kevin Byard, Amani Hooker, who can not only come up and play in the box as a passing down linebacker, but also play deep safety in the back th- uh, middle third. It's it's incredible. Desmond King can play outside li- pseudo outside linebacker in a 4-3. He can blitz off the edge. He can play man coverage at cornerback. It, it, it's it's just incredible. And Kenny Vaccaro and Kevin Byard can do that outside linebacker thing as well. I just really love the versatility of the pieces that the Titans have here, even with the limited personnel that they have. It allows them to do so many different things. Joshua Kalu's getting work out on the field, and while I expect him to not see as many snaps with Kenny Vaccaro coming back, it just... I love having three safeties that can play slot, play deep, play intermediate, play passing down linebacker, linebackers that can pass rush, play coverage, or just play standard off-the-ball run down linebacker, defensive linemen that can play five tech, they can play six tech, they can play eight tech, they have defensive linemen who can play edge rusher, stand-up outside linebacker, blitz through the middle. It's unfortunate that they're missing Jadavian Clowney, who again is another one of those versatile pieces, but the Titans' versatile pieces on defense are so impressive. The way they're deployed schematically is very impressive, and I just love that the way they're used. I wish the Titans had a little bit more production, but I do like the idea that Mike Vrabel is trying to get across with this Tennessee Titans defense. So, going to move forward and talk about the offensive side of the ball in this game against the Jags. Continue this rewatch Wednesday. We are going to cap off this rewatch Wednesday edition of the Locked on Titans podcast by talking about the offensive side of the ball. And the Titans put up 31 points in this game. They were dominant throughout. It basically took them three quarters to push this game. Well, I can't say they were dominant throughout because, as I mentioned, they played with their food a little bit in the first quarter, but once the Titans kind of got things going in the right direction, they were an avalanche, essentially. So let's talk about how the Titans were able to be so dominant on the offensive side of the ball. Before we do, another reminder, tomorrow is Crossover Thursday here on the Locked on Titans podcast. Begin your preparation for a matchup against the Lions by hearing directly from the Locked on Lions host. So subscribe to the Locked on Titans podcast on whatever platform you do stream so you don't miss that conversation. But on the offensive side of the ball, so it's obvious what the Jaguars' defense was trying to do. They wanted to stack the line of scrimmage. This is something we saw that the uh, New England Patriots did against the Los Angeles Rams in the Super Bowl. They basically took it was like a it was like a five three or sorry a five. What am I talking about? It was like a three four, but they would only have one middle linebacker. And then they would have everyone else across the line of scrimmage. And the idea is you can go up against wide zone by not letting the running back get to the perimeter. And you can basically put a man in every single gap initially. The reason that wide zone has success is because the guards, Roger Saffold, Nate Davis, are able to combo block. Usually it is the the defensive tackles. So they double-team the defensive tackles originally, and then the guards slide up to the second level, leaving the right tackle in the center with those defensive linemen, and then the guards can move up and get the linebackers so that everybody gets blocked. That's the idea here. Well, if the linebackers aren't off the line of scrimmage, and they're on the line of scrimmage, 
the guard isn't going to be able to double team and then get up to the linebacker. The linebacker's already in the dang hole. So that ruins the timing of the wide zone and it doesn't give the guards the ability to get to the second level because the second level has gotten to them. So that's why Bill Belichick did that to the Rams' wide zone, Sean McVay's wide zone scheme in the Super Bowl. And it worked great. And some teams have tried to copy that with different results because not every team has the personnel the Patriots had that year on defense and not every team has the best football coach in the history of the planet. So the Jags tried to do this basically to the Titans on Sunday. They tried to just put a bunch of defenders on the line of scrimmage, have their three DBs in the back. Of course, one of them is going to be up towards the line of scrimmage and then have that one linebacker in the second level. So basically, everyone's on the line of scrimmage and there's not a lot of people in the second to third level, often four, five at max, when typically you would see seven or at the minimum six. So they limited the amount of people that were in the second and third level because they wanted to stop Derrick Henry at the line of scrimmage, and that's all good and well. But the problem is, if you don't, well, now Derrick Henry has limited interference once he gets into the second level. He's already the best running back in the NFL at the second level and at the third level because of his size and speed and the size and speed of the people who he's now facing. But what the Titans did was, they said, all right, all right, that's fine. If that's what you want to do, screw outside zone. We're running inside zone. And all of the big runs you saw from Derrick Henry, the 39-yard touchdown, his first touchdown of the day, the 40-yard run that set up the Jeff Swaim five-yard touchdown, the next big run that got Derrick Henry down there and got his one-yard touchdown in place, all of the big explosive runs you saw from Derrick Henry, he had another one to the left side. Uh, Basically, they all came in inside zone. And this is something that I talked about yesterday, but the timing of the inside zone is so perfect. And the Titans do something weird here. They set up the inside zone to go the opposite direction that you would typically see it run. So the the Titans are waiting for teams to kind of load one side and they're running inside zone to the opposite side. It's just fantastic. And the Titans also took advantage. So like I said, the, the Jags wanted to condense their defensive formation. They want to get a bunch of guys up on the line of scrimmage. The Titans said, okay, this is perfect. We're going to condense our formation, have two tight ends, three tight ends, two tight ends, and a wide receiver motion in, have everybody packed into the middle. That way, once Derrick Henry breaks through that initial line of defenders, you've got eight defenders all lined up on the line of scrimmage, and they're all stacked, condensed in a formation because the Titans have their tight ends on the line of scrimmage next to the tackles. They're motioning it in Corey Davis. They're motioning in Cameron Batson and getting them right on the outside shoulder of the tight ends. So you're bringing everybody into the middle on the line of scrimmage so that Derrick Henry, once he gets through that line of scrimmage, that first level, not only are there not a lot of people in the second and third level to stop him, but the whole field is wide open because everybody is condensed within the hashes, basically. So the Titans condensed their formation, made it seem like they were going to go with outside zone, but then ran inside zone. Derrick Henry does such a good job with his footwork on that back rocker delay step. And if you don't know what I'm talking about here, the footwork that I'm referencing of Derrick Henry on this inside zone, I highlighted in yesterday's Tic Tac 4-pack on my Twitter account, at Tic Tac Titans. I specifically highlighted the footwork. And and you think about Derrick Henry and little stuff like that that people don't understand. If Derrick Henry didn't have his footwork correctly, it would ruin the timing of the entire play. And on that long touchdown run, Michael Pruitt and Dennis Kelly do a great job of washing their defenders 
down to the left side, back towards the center. And that opens up a perimeter hole for Derrick Henry to go right off the butt of Michael Pruitt and Cam Batson and just release and explode into the second level. So the, the Titans use those condensed formations. They used inside zone. They used tight ends washing guys down. And they used what the Jags were trying to do on defense against them. It was just, it was fantastic. It was absolutely fantastic, and the Titans were great in inside zone. The footwork of Derrick Henry, if he doesn't follow that timing and that footwork, then Michael Pruitt and Dennis Kelly washing down their defenders, he would be too early to that, and he wouldn't see the hole and wouldn't allow them to wash it down. So, uh, great job, footwork. Nobody really pays attention to a lot of that little stuff, but that's the little stuff that sets Derrick Henry apart. Everybody talks about you know his size, his strength, his natural athleticism. Well, Derrick Henry does all the fundamentals as well. There's a reason the guy doesn't fumble very often. There's a reason that the guy is always getting through the muck. He's got great fundamentals to go along with this talent, and little stuff like footwork and the timing on a delayed inside zone is exactly what proves that point. To continue forward talking about the Jags' defense, they decided to go with zone rather than man. I think that's a critical mistake. The Titans have proven that they are worse against man coverage. Maybe not in early downs because of the crossers over the middle of the field. If you get teams in man coverage early, then it gives them a better opportunity to win in crossers over the middle. But on third downs, third and long situations, going in zone against the Titans, third and short situations, going in zone against the Titans doesn't make any sense. The Titans don't have a ton of great man beaters, and maybe the Jags just didn't have any confidence in their secondary to play man coverage in their cornerbacks. Maybe that's what it is. I mean, that could be a possibility, but to me, the Titans have struggled all year going against tight man coverage, and the Jags... Like I said, their plan against the run was weird to stack the line of scrimmage and stack first-level defenders. Their plan against the Titans' passing game to go heavy zone over man was weird. In my opinion, I didn't like the game plan at all. Um, The Titans, as I mentioned, some other things, the Titans went heavy tight end. And the last thing that I want to talk about is about those tight ends and the way the Titans are using formation variation. So the Titans do a great job of using Jonu Smith as a wide receiver. They'll have three tight ends on the field, but have Jonu Smith lined up as a wide receiver. And because of his skill set, the defense has to acknowledge him as a possible wide receiver. They do the same thing with Anthony Ferkser. That's more often on third downs, using him as a slot wide receiver. But I saw Ferkser used as just a out wide wide receiver. The Titans on the Swaim touchdown, the five-yard touchdown pass in the red zone. The Titans had three tight ends on the field during that play, but they were all spread out in a wide formation. So the Titans do a great job of getting heavy personnel on the field, but because of the versatility of John U. Smith, it's funny how all the skill sets overlap. Think about Venn diagrams for a moment. This just, it gets me giddy. I don't know, little stuff like this just makes me happy. It's all about finding role players and their skill sets, while unique, still overlap enough to keep the defense off balance. Jonu Smith has an explosive skill set as a run-after-the-catch wide receiver, but he also has enough blocking chops to be a blocking tight end. Then you have Michael Pruitt, who also has a 
has mostly blocking tight end skill set, but just enough receiving skill set to be utilized in two tight end situations and still pass. Remember earlier in the season, Michael Pruitt caught an awesome seam route down the field for about 20 yards. So he has just enough receiving talent to not totally tip the Titans' hand. Same thing with Jeff Swaim. That's even more exaggerated. I think that Jeff Swaim is even more of a blocker than Michael Pruitt, but he has just enough that that 20% receiving ability, that overlap, that Venn diagram with the other guys. So you have Michael Pruitt, who's mostly a blocker, but gives you a little bit in the passing game. You have Jeff Swaim, who's similar. Mostly a blocker, but can give you a little bit in the passing game. Then you have Jonu Smith, who is a really good blocker and also can give you a good amount in the passing game. And then you have Anthony Ferkser, who really isn't a blocker, but can give you a lot in the passing game. It's like... Anthony Ferkser is the passing game tight end. The Titans have two blocking style but still viable receiving threat tight ends. They have Jonu Smith who is the perfect amount of both. Just the overlapping Venn diagram skill sets at tight end and the way they're deployed and the way they're utilized with personnel groups and formation variation. Uh, what can I say? I'm nerding out right now. It's a nerdgasm for football. If you can combine being a jock and combine being a nerd into one thing, hello, folks. You got your host, Tyler Rowland, here with you. So the, the tight ends really get me going. And what should I expect from a career tight ends coach in Arthur Smith? Love you, buddy. Love you. So, great stuff there from the Titans. Hopefully, you felt like this was some great schematic stuff on the Locked On Titans podcast in this rewatch Wednesday. As I've mentioned, crossover Thursday tomorrow. Game preview on Friday. Don't miss any of that. Stay locked in to the Locked On Titans podcast. Subscribe on whatever platform you do stream. Follow me on Twitter at Tic Tac Titans. Check out yesterday's Tic Tac 4-pack. It's a good one, I promise. But that's going to do it for me today, folks. As always, I am your host, Tyler Rowland, and this was Locked on Titans.